This episode of Thanks a Million is brought to you by Sweaty Betty. One good thing that came out of the pandemic is that loungewear is no longer reserved for the house only. And I, for one, am here for it. I like mine a little bit luxy on occasion. There is literally nothing, and I repeat nothing, more decadent than a head-to-toe cashmere situation. And the cosy cashmere set is my current go-to. Somebody's going to have to drag it off my limp body. It is so soft, and I honestly have been living in it. Day and night, I may have even slept in it overnight. I don't care. I'm not here to be judged. If I'm feeling like I might want to break out of loungewear a little bit, I'll chuck on some baggy, yes, baggy jeans. The 90s are back. And the harmonised looks fleece. It's all about the looks, gang, which comes in a ton of colours to distract from the current eye luggage situation. I'm into the blue, but I think you'll like the green as well. Anyway, Sweaty Betty have kindly given me an exclusive 20% off code to share with you, my gorgeous and fairy stylish listeners. Use the code thanks a million when you order online. Merci beaucoup. Buttered toast. Emily in Paris on the couch and rain in my face. There are a million things I am thankful for today but what is my guest thankful for? I will follow any account that is just curating ways that people's fashion choices have been slated in their region. (laughs) That's my favourite thing. And the people that do it best, 100% Scottish Twitter, Irish Twitter and Northern Twitter. I'm Angela Scanlon and welcome to Thanks a Million, where we explore our guests' personal gratitude lists to find out the things that have shaped their lives. Gratitude is your soul's superfood, but cheaper than goji berries and twice as good for you. In this series, we talk thanks with the good, the great and the grateful. This week's guest is probably the busiest woman in radio. The fantastic BBC Radio 6 music breakfast host, host of Desert Island Discs on BBC Radio 4, which she took over from Kirsty Young. She's also a TV presenter, regularly popping up in fields, looking amazing next to bands or cows, presenting coverage of Glastonbury and also part of the One Show family. Lauren Laverne started out in the mid-90s fronting a band called Kaniki, who achieved four top 40 singles and a top 10 album. Her radio career started at what was XFM, now Radio X, and she's presented various TV programmes, including 10 O'Clock Live for Channel 4, which she also co-wrote, and The Culture Show. Lauren is the go-to host each year of one of the most prestigious music prizes in the UK, arguably the most prestigious, the Mercury Prize. She's also previously written teen novels and has been a prominent campaigner for people affected by dementia with music for dementia. She's married and has two children and lives not too far from me, actually, down the road, really, but with everything that's going on. Uh, We didn't manage to do this face-to-face. We are on the old Zoom box, you know. Right, before we meet Lauren, what three things are you, the listeners, grateful for? Anna Grace Taylors, I'm grateful for my best friends who I can say anything to, for new blonder highlights and a restful day. Oh, a restful day. Love one of them. Fatima Cutie. God, that looked different in my speedy read. Having been up four hours in the night with my almost two-year-old who apparently thinks 11pm is the time to party, I'm grateful for coffee, my parents living nearby and see babies. Oh yes, God bless Mr. Tumble. Little reference to the wheel there and my tragic, shameful 
moment. Herring Spuds, still reeling in the joy of finding Eddie Reader in a pub in Dumfries one night online on fine form. So treated myself to a whiskey last night and brewing up some perfect porridge aid recovery today. Oh, I love a bit of whiskey and porridge. Haven't done that in a while. Right, on we go to Lauren Laverne. We chat about radio, of course, and why it is so important to people listening to nature. The importance of female friendships and having your own team tits. The sentimentality of the North East and a slightly different thank you next. Welcome, please, Lauren Laverne. What are you grateful for today, Lauren? Oh, I am, I mean, I'm generally pretty grateful. Big things and small things, scanners. So I yeah. have, I've tried to, to come up with a list that is a bit of a mix of both. I mean, I've got the kind of big keystone basics, I suppose you'd call them. The, the kind of capsule wardrobe on the gratitude list, I would say, is family, friends, mm. music for me, definitely important. Radio, you know, audio, yeah. I think podcasts and, and radio are kind of pretty much the same thing nowadays. But then also I've been thinking about, you know, the little things that I'm grateful for. Like adrenaline is a big one for me. I found out oh, recently yes. that I've, I've probably got more or have realized recently that I've, I've got more adrenaline than most people have, I think. And that's sometimes a bad thing, but it can also be a very good thing. So And so how do you mean you've got more adrenaline? It. Like day to well, day, your adrenal glands are just spewing just, out the good well, stuff. Do you know what, though? I think it's a realization that I've come to about... People who do a job like our job, especially like specializing in the live side of it. And um, I kind of just realized over the past few years that actually it's not an accident. The people that gravitate towards that Mm. (laughs) and that thing that we have in common is probably that we are quite kind of adrenalized people. (laughs) Right. So you find a kind of, you know, an outlet for it. You find a place where actually that that slight excess of energy and and imagination and and general vibes is quite useful. You're like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. this is great. This is this is kind of like the speed that I go at that I process things at over the past few years. I think I've come to understand that actually not everybody's like that. I always thought, you know, it is the thing that you think when you're younger, that your way of seeing the world is the way of seeing the world. That's that's just Mm -hmm. kind of uh, neutral and everybody else is different. But actually what you, you can yeah. realise as you get older, I think, is that your particular way of seeing the world is particular to you. And so mm. definitely I've, I've realised that actually I kind of use a lot of adrenaline in my work. And also in my life, you know, they say like the best version of adrenaline is imagination and the worst version of adrenaline is anxiety. So like, you know, if you and do is, job, the, is that something you relate to? I think it is something I relate yeah. to. I wouldn't have thought I would because I've never thought of myself as someone who who kind of worries too much uh, a few years ago mm-hmm. but I think I've come to understand that actually that's because I sort of found a job that I could channel it all into and I've had yeah. to sort of learn to switch it off a little bit but because I'm more aware of it I've also become more grateful for that imaginative side that good side and that kind of yeah. keying into it and using it and really like riding that wave of it so I, I mm-hmm. would like to try and be grateful for my adrenaline I like that one. Also, I like the idea of I I heard something which is similar to that imagination versus anxiety thing, that anxiety is just excitement. Um, This is like viewed through a different lens, like if you can reframe it. Right. So, you know, know, in in sociology, there's this saying like, oh, rubbish is just matter out of place. Like if you put the thing in its correct context, 
then you know you can kind of it's change, useful you can change what it is you can make it useful and, and definitely like I relate to that I think uh in a job yeah. that is most of my broadcasting that I do is live not all of it but even the non-live stuff can be very high stakes you know it can be stuff that you've kind of got to get right and oh it's proper high stakes Lauren well, shit also- to bed when I listen to <laughs> Desert Island Discs I'm like oh Jesus I I mean you just can't really mess around on that yeah you've got to be really disciplined I feel you've got to be very disciplined that's true mm-hmm. and and that actually I'm good at I'm really good at, at um, preparing and being organized and I'm good at doing all the homework like I've always done that I've always been a bit of a swat in that way but um I think you know in the last few years I've been trying to find a better balance and not let that kind of get out of control so that you sort of over prepare or you you know you'd been having to kind of learn to switch off and, and be a bit more disciplined about actually giving myself breaks or or you know yeah, if you don't okay. get something right then be a little go a little bit easier on yourself because like anybody else you know obviously I make mistakes all the time we do we're human and I think I can be quite hard on myself when I do so so yeah you know it's it's been interesting it's obviously as it's only as you get older I think that you have more perspective on yourself so Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have known any of this for a really really long time and obviously I think throughout my 30s just being in that phase of having little kids and sort of building your career and work is really busy and home is really busy and it's a what a friend of mine said to me uh in my 30s a work friend who was older and was absolutely lovely she said you know I just I just think of my 30s as a time when the whole of life was just on fucking fire and I was like (laughs) that's exactly I said that's exactly what this is like everything is on fire what is happening? So constant state of <laughs> just like heightened. everything is happening all at once. <laughs> and then as I've got older, I'm 43 now, and your kids grow older and everything's so establishing a little bit more and it calms down and you can kind of get a bit of a view of, of where you are. You know, I okay. think in a way there's a there was a brilliant musician who made a record I really liked about middle age and it was called Up Here, uh, oh, Paul yeah. Armfield. And his idea was that middle age is like this this hill and obviously, you know, being over the hill is, is one thing that you can be a bit worried at, about when you're when you're middle aged. But actually, it's the point in your life where you have a really clear view of where you've come from and also hopefully mm-hmm. where you're going, you know, so you have this perspective. Yeah. Hallowed ground up there. Yeah. Right. You start to understand yourself a bit better, I think. The thank fuck for this. So this is the thing that you'd be lost without. Oh, that's a tricky one. I'm going to say headphones, actually. I'm definitely going to go with headphones, Um, especially as headphone technology has moved on. I've got those little bad boys in at the minute. Yeah, so this is an ear pod, like classic ear pod. Exactly. But I do like my kind of big, soft studio headphones that I use at work, obviously. And, you know... I just think now, like the amount of stuff that you can listen to as you do Mm. other things is incredible. You know, just slipped in a quick old workout there, listening to some radio while like having my headphones on. You know, all of the kind of audio books and podcasts and everything. Like if I suddenly realize I've left my headphones at home, it is utterly disastrous. So Mm. I always now I always carry like an extra pair with me just in case of like the wired ones or if they run out like that's the thing I would rather like leave the house without you know knickers knickers literally (laughs) yeah (laughs) I'd leave them off compared to the headphones that would not be a disaster (laughs) 
<laughs> it does though feel like that when you get used to using the commute or a journey or a walk to kind of absorb whether it is a podcast or listen to the radio or an audiobook that when you don't it's like oh hang on what I'm wasting I'm wasting my life but well, you know maybe it's good to have a bit of silence ringing in your ears at times oh yeah do you know what Neil Young um was on Six Music and he was talking to Keris who does the Sunday show and he I was love saying that Karis. right so her show's great and um Neil Young was saying that one day a week he listens to nature and I love that, actually, because oh, the so other funny. side of headphones is that sometimes actually you can have them in but not turn them on and it gives yeah. you time to yourself. Because I think mm-hmm. we've all done that thing where, you know, you're um, on the bus and someone's trying to strike up a conversation with you or, you know, you might be in the back of a cab and like you just don't feel like having a chat, you know, not every you just don't you just want a bit of time to yourself. Yeah. And actually, it well, that's what you factored in. A little way time to out. indicate that can be, you know, a little bit of a break or pretending to take yeah. a call. I think we've all done that. Or actually yeah. texting your friends to say, "Ring me now. I don't yeah. want to talk about Brexit." <laughs> Save <anymore."> me. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I do think the phone is like a visual cue for "Don't fucking talk to me right now." But headphones are like yeah. a less um, aggressive way, maybe, of uh, <laughs> like marking your territory, <laughs> creating a boundary. Yeah. So, no, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I think, uh, you know, it's, it's important not to always be kind of on. Um, yeah. But, but I like listening to stuff that, uh, you know, helps me escape. I do a lot of kind of um, audiobooks about the natural world or, or comedy. I'm listening okay. to uh, Billy Connolly reading his oh. latest book at the moment. And oh my God, you know, like spending my my journey to work with him imagine that like just Mm. you know when I was growing up the idea that you could have done that would have just been trippy like that that could be in your pocket I just think it's magic so yeah I couldn't be without my headphones but you do there's kind of like reverence when you speak about radio and podcasting and that whole thing as a as a medium you know there's such a like gorgeous kind of respect for the intimacy of that that you don't seem to have tired of even though it's literally your life well it's a hundred years old isn't it radio and it's it's the grand dam of uh media it's where it all started in a way finding radio is like going back to the source you know it's like following it upstream and then you're like the water is so pure here you know the first time that you you actually (laughs) do it because it is what it's all about. It's the intimacy of a one-on-one conversation. Obviously, it's the excitement of, of sharing brilliant music or a guest who is just so fascinating and you can't wait to hear what they have to say. But then also, I really love the sort of ordinary side of it. And I, I think you don't hear people talking about that as much. But for me, the magic of it is that the two things go together. So I know like when I start my breakfast show, Uh, I've got people who are on the way to work or I've got people like, right, okay, Lauren's on, it's time to get up, get in the shower, do my yoga or or whatever it is. You're kind of accompanying people just in the ordinary moments of their day. And, you know, there'll be people who say like, oh, my baby recognizes your voice or God, you know, I had this really difficult time and I couldn't have got through it without the show. And it really sort of cheered me up. People going through difficult things, obviously the past couple of years broadcasting during the pandemic. But it was amazing because the messages that we got were just like, you know what, this is my half an hour of normality before I go into my job working in the NHS and 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 then everything is just very difficult. So this is my this is my little bit of time to, to keep me going. And so you sort of see all of that stuff that you know in, instinctively play out. Mm-hmm. And I think the past couple of years is uh, for a lot of us who were on air through it, 
it's changed how we feel about our jobs or affirmed how we feel about our jobs and really we've kind of seen in practice what we always believed about what we do yeah and it is I mean I do think there was that collective kind of sense of of being at home and all being you know tuned in and yeah. connected somehow by the things we were listening to and consuming whereas you know in in recent years that's become so disparate and we're it's all just, well, you know exactly it's times. just a way of being together that's the thing that radio does is yeah. community it's company and those were two things yeah. that you know for a lot of people during the pandemic they didn't have I think for us in the studio, it's a bit weird because our experience was kind of the opposite. We were going in when nobody else was there. So, you know, we had a different experience. You know, obviously we saw it and the figures jumped massively. The bottom line is to be there and to, I mean, God, we're public service broadcasters. That's what we do. So to actually be yeah. able to, to feel like you're doing something useful, especially during a, a difficult time for people is that's massive. That's what we're there for, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, is there a thanks, Lauren, that got mm. away? Do you know what? I'm going to say uh, the Victorians, Angela, because oh. don't get me wrong. The collars? They got a lot wrong. The, co- the collars were good. That's a good <laughs> point. Because not so keen on the corsets. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make a list of things that I, I dislike that the Victorians did because, you know, we haven't got long enough. But um, one thing that I think, I, you know, I'd like to say thank you to the Victorians for is the park movement, the parks movement. Mm. Because I just well, that think... that was those bad boys, that was it? That was those guys. I mean, it kind of came mm. out of, um, you know, the, the 1700s and, and prancing around pleasure gardens, showing off your, your wares and whatnot. Your wares, um, yeah. <laughs> Your fancy outfit, your hat, parasol. I don't know what was happening back then, whatever was going on. Uh, so yeah, you'd be in Vauxhall Gardens doing your thing. But then out of that, comes this kind of incredible movement in the in the Victorian era, part of it, born of necessity, because they're like, hey, poor people can't seem to breathe. Let's make somewhere for them that they can go and breathe some clean air. Breathe. I mean, for a few you know, just because our factories need to keep going. So um mm-hmm. I mean I'm I'm obviously kidding. But uh but yeah. that was that was part of the the decision making process, I think. So anyway, the the park movement I think uh is this extraordinary moment of generosity where you have people um, creating these uh, spaces that are public, they're for everyone, mm-hmm. and also that aren't going to mature until maybe the, the people who planned them are dead and gone. Yeah. London is, the, I believe, the greenest capital city in Europe, so we've got mm-hmm. the most parks, and I, I live really close to, to lots of amazing parkland. And I always think what a, an amazing kind of declaration of hope for the future and for the people who are to come to plant a tree or to plant a garden to know that you you know you might never get to sit under it when it's mature but you'll yeah. do it for someone else because you'll know that in the future people will still want those good things in life they'll still want to kind of sit under a tree and have a snog with somebody or they'll want to look at the cherry blossom at this time of year and think oh my god bloody hell it's good to be alive yeah. winter's over you know so yeah. I would like to say thank you to the Victorians for, for the park movement I am so with you on that. I didn't know it was those guys and I'm delighted. But I also think that that idea of like we're so into instant gratification now, aren't we? So we want like things immediately. And I know from doing your garden made perfect. Yeah. It's like the the first day of your garden oh. is probably the worst day it will ever be. So let me level but with actually, you, right? Go Angela. on level, hit me. Oh, so, uh, you know, I love your show. Addicted to your God Made Perfect. Go love your homemade perfect. Love it. Watched 
um, watched each of them at least mm-hmm. three, four times. But I always bracing myself. I feel sorry for the gardeners when reveal day is like, like you say, it's like it's just been planted. You need to come back a year later. Well, second series, which is just gone, it's probably still on the iPlayer. We did a little revisit of last year. Yes. And we was it the one with the mud paths because that was unfair on the young gardener. (laughs) Poor Tom. The memes on Twitter were enjoyable, but we were like, well, it's not his fault. It's obviously November and yeah. it's day one. Come back in a year's time. It's going to look sensational. Personally, Angela, and would does. I have put would I have put the bike shed at the bottom of the garden so that you had to wheel them up and down? No, I wouldn't. But then I'm a 43-year-old no. mum and he's about 25. He'll get there. It's fine. <laughs> Nobody's perfect, right? But everything else about it was absolutely lovely. <laughs> but it is exactly that it's such a killer you're like lads honestly it's Trust a grower me. literally yeah. hang on okay right. hang that's on right. but yeah that's that's sometimes difficult to reconcile with you know virtual reality abundance but this is it you know yeah. we can just slap a filter on it and make it look perfect but actually when it comes to um some of the best things in life you obviously you can't do that you sort of have to wait yeah. Mm. Do you know what as well though? I have got another small thing that I could add to the list. My mum came up with this this week and I think it's really yeah. good. So uh we were talking about the idea of like living in the moment, uh, mm-hmm. which obviously, you know, comes up on, on this podcast now and again. Yeah. I think uh that is can sometimes be a bit too much pressure. So my okay. mum was like, she said, Do you know what I think is better? Live in the week. <laughs> no, <thought>, actually <laughs> That I can relate to. <laughs> That's good. The idea is that, like, uh, you know, when they say, like, live in the moment. And you could be like, but this moment is shit. I don't want to live in this moment. <laughs> I'm in a crap time. Um, sometimes it can be a little bit too too much pressure or, you know, you might be kind of like, right, well, I don't really want to live in today. But right I, now. I kind of think if you can, like, zoom out just a tiny bit, live in the week. Yeah. To me, mm-hmm. that feels a little bit more doable, practical sometimes. I mean, obviously, I see the benefits of, of mindful, mindfulness and living in the moment. Yeah. Of, co- of course I do. Of course I do. I think that's brilliant. Um, but I think sometimes when uh, life is at high tide and quite tricky, personally, I think living in the week yeah. is good. So what now is the thank you next so this is something that you like Ariana Grande you just want to sail on by smell yeah I mean it's quite trivial but um can I do like fashion items with cutouts (laughs) I welcome that kind of okay good good just yeah yeah sell me an entire garment I never ever want to go into a shop and turn a dress around and find out again that it doesn't have a bag I just don't oh, want that. Oh, fuck that. Do you know what I mean? Like, give me give me both sides of a thing. Like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really niche, niche annoyance. But I think yeah. for the specificity of it, it's just absolutely infuriating because you'd be like, this mm-hmm. is the perfect thing. This is the, this is the one that's going to solve all my problems. When yeah. I have it, I'm going to be ready to face the world and stride out into it. Mm-hmm. And then you turn it round or you scroll onto the next picture and it's like, yeah. well... I'm sorry, I'm going to be wearing a bra, so this is, this is now over, or what, I have to buy like a special vest to go under my dresses yeah. that have gaps? No. <laughs> a vest. 
which I feel might just kill the vibe what of it a little this? bit. 1975? <laughs> no. <laughs> Sell me an entire garment. Okay, okay. So does that go for just backless dresses? Or are we talking to dresses with cutouts, jeans cut that have bits, lumps jeans cut with off bits them? missing. No, if I want that, fine. I'll do it myself. I mean, no, no. Yeah, fine. So does that mean then the like foundational garment situation is something <laughs> you resist as well? well? I don't know. I think there's a certain moment with bras when if you make it too complicated, your boobs start to look like scary eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like better than eyes than cheeks, you know what I mean? Right. Cheeks suggest yeah. there's a little more saggage there. Eyes are usually pretty upright. Well, but you know where you're kind of like, I'm wearing this and I feel like my boobs are winking. Like it's not, it's not a place you want to be. So yeah, I just kind yeah, of think. Okay. Fair. I'm not into Fair. that. But also mm. I, here's my theory, right? Some people are just like, can wear that shit. Like with, you know, those dresses with no knickers, like where you can see the hip bone thingy and the clothes where, you know, your boobs are winking at you or your back is out or whatever it is. I'm like, I can't comfortably sit and do my job and engage with the person who I am here to engage with if I'm afraid that my arse cheek is going to fall out <laughs> on the one show. I'm like, I, I'd i rather be in a pair of tracksuit bottoms. I mean than like flashing potentially yes. flashing i uh i mean 100 percent. i don't you, i just think you've got to be comfortable i mean i'm i love style i love fashion i mean i'm mm-hmm. currently wearing a jumper with my dog's face on it so that might not be uh, um, immediately obvious but like i do but I, I have to be comfortable and i think doing what we do you know you're thinking on your feet and and you're so concentrated on the person that you're talking to or or uh interviewing yeah I just don't want to have to think about anything else. Yeah. You know, when you can feel your clothes, like that's the worst. When you feel like your clothes yeah. are like. Rrr. Or that you have to like tuck in a certain way or hold your knee up a little mm. bit apart from the other knee so that yeah. it's not like ham slices on the couch. <laughs> okay. The big thank you. Yeah. The big one. I want to thank my friends, Team Tits, as they are known for better or worse. Um, and so my best girlfriends and my closest friends, uh, who also include um, my mate Lini, Mylene Class, and um, my wonderful friend Martin, Martin Wallace, who's my oldest friend in London. Um, so my, yeah, my hardcore of really good mates it's interesting because I, I, you know, work with a lot of people who are younger than me now. And there've been quite a few times over the past few years where I've had conversations with uh, people in their 20s, you know, particularly girls in their 20s. And they're like, oh, you know, like me and my friends, I just feel like we're sort of drifting apart. Our lives mm-hmm. are a bit different. And there are people moving in with their boyfriends or their careers going off in a different direction. Or, um, you know, they, they might be having kids. And I just feel like we don't see each other anymore. And I always say, just wait. Yes. Wait. Because when you get a bit older and life hits the fan, at that point, you need your friends the most, in the deepest, most profound way that you will ever, I think, need your friends in your life. 
and the really good ones will be there for you and it will be a total joy even if everything else is falling apart and if if things are really difficult the people who catch you will you will be so grateful for them mm. and they will be you know such a profound joy in your life um so me and my my some of my girlfriends Sally Catlin and Nadia uh we started doing this thing called the quarterly which because it used to be quarterly because everyone was so busy we'd only get together like we, everyone's diary was only clear four times a year and blah blah so we get together and we just have like a full on download night of like, okay, what's happened? What's the gossip? What does everybody know? And then and then just kind of like, what's everybody in the world doing that's wrong? How are we going to fix things? What are we going to do next? What's happening with your family? What are the kids doing? Blah, 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 blah. And we'd have like, a, you know, maybe up to 17 hours of yeah. just massive full on download and Glorious. hysterical laughter, like, you know, lying in the garden for these these days just drinking tea for hours and hours and hours um and it was just the most kind of cleansing wonderful thing yeah. anyway this evolved to uh become a group chat uh called oh. team tits which you know it's a long story of how that one uh came about yeah but then when when Catelyn Catelyn Moran came to write her most recent book which was about um being in your 40s Mm-hmm. and that kind of next phase of, of midlife uh she dedicated it to to team tits because a lot of it kind of came out of those very necessary sessions mm-hmm. of when we were all going through this period when I think like you know for me it was heading into my 40s life just is a high tide you know everything everything is happening and everything that you're doing is 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 important you know not in a I don't mean that in a self-important way I mean in a kind of like you're raising a family and it matters that you look after your kids and give them the best start in life that you can like what could be more important than that and you know you've got loads of responsibilities um in your family your parents might be getting older you know for me I lost my dad and um you know was kind of supporting my my mom as as after she lost him obviously and, and that was so difficult and then you know, if you're lucky enough, which is wonderful, you might have more responsibility of, at work. And, and certainly for me and my friends, that that was the case as well. So suddenly, it's not like when you're, you're younger and you're kind of hustling and the balls are in the air, but like nobody else cares if you drop one, you know, when you're, yeah. when you're 25 and, and you're just working it all out. It's, it's you that cares a lot about it, but suddenly all these responsibilities you've got to other people, mm. you've got other people that you can't let down. Yeah. And so I just found like, you know, my friends understood that because they were all in the same place and they are just the people that I laugh the most with and have the best time with and I I just absolutely love them so so they're the big thank you for me I love that I love that and also the kind of you know depiction your early 40s but there's so many you know historically that figure you know for a woman 40 it was like, you know, the end of the world, really, wasn't it? And I just feel like it's so different now, the perception of friends of mine. And I'm 38, so I'm not far off yeah. it. But it's like, actually, the ease. And yes, there's so much responsibility. And some of that's a privilege and some of it feels like a weight to bear. It's both at the same time, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. But I yeah. think there's a kind of ease, maybe. Or maybe your mind is just less busy with the things that other people think about you. Or I think, yeah, I think what happens, or, or at least what I feel, is that um, you just get this kind of laser clarity mm. because there's just all you all of the shit that doesn't matter. Like you just haven't got time for it. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So, so you, for me, 
it's like you get to a point where you're kind of like, okay, well, what's on my list of stuff that I actually care about? And really, it's like four or five items long. And there might be something profoundly important that you could be an activist, it could be your social conscience, it could be a community group. It doesn't mean that you're selfish, but it kind of means like you don't pay attention to the noise. Yeah. Um, And all, yeah, like you say, all the other stuff about like people's approval or, you know. If are you wearing the right thing or whatever? Yeah. Just no- noise in your head. Team yeah. tits. Everyone needs a team tits. <laughs> everyone needs a team tits, and everyone sh- everyone should have a team tits, <laughs> everyone. and everyone should have a quarterly. Like you have to find yeah. the night out that works for you. But I think you know the thing that you say about forty being the cut off, cut off is is funny, isn't it? Because like culturally, until relatively recent times, um, you know, it felt like. Uh, one of those medieval maps where it's just like the end of the world and then like there be monsters. And that was sort of what middle age was like. You know, you didn't really yeah. have lots of examples, visible examples of, for me anyway, you're just like, well, what do what do people who like the kinds of things that I like or are interested in the things that I'm interested in, what, what do we do when we, when we get older? Yeah. You know, there weren't many women doing my job anyway. Mm-hmm. Thank God now, you know, I've got people who are, paving the way for me I can kind of look at Annie Nightingale and think oh my god you know Annie's like she has been there since day one since the beginning she's got all the best stories she is loving her time and I'm just grateful for those people because they give me hope and and I think the great thing about it we spend a lot of time criticizing Instagram and, and all that kind of thing but I think the positive side of it is that actually the visibility of older women doing cool stuff, you know, yeah. um, people who don't just look like they've come off the cover of a typical kind of glossy magazine, mm-hmm. but like wearing awesome clothes and, and living lives that they enjoy and, and showing you their way of being in the world. Like yeah. I'm all for that. I love that. Totally. And I think, you know, it is that kind of expanding of your mind. So whether that was Annie for you, you're like, oh, that person has done it. And even if you're yeah. not... It, completely conscious of it if on Instagram and I th- try to do it a lot is like curate the people that I follow rather than just mindlessly yeah. follow all pe- people who make me you know feel less than or whatever but you I can mean, curate a crew where you're like oh that's possible and that makes me feel like that's a possible you know potential for me too that's right I am a little bit older than you Angela and I would say my Instagram feed looks a lot like uh, Victorian tile restoration and um, <laughs> you know <laughs> that. makeovers of, uh, of brick houses Gardens. and things like that but you know you're right you can find inspiration you know you can just choose to try and use those things to to make your life better instead of make you feel crap yeah totally what is the present that you're most grateful for and this can be like frivolous or daft or wildly sentimental depending on your mood today I I think my favorite gift is my mom gave me uh, an old ring of hers Mm. that um, is her birthstone surrounded by my birthstone so it's an aquamarine uh, with diamonds around it Um, so that's that's the two of us together and yeah it is very sentimental I am very sentimental Mm. you know I think people in the Northeast generally are. I had this conversation with uh, with David Olashoga, the historian I on love Desert him. Island. Or not on his Desert Island disc. I don't think it was in the program. Yeah. But we were just talking about like the sort of brilliant mix of like uh, just in the Northeast character generally, and it resonated with him of sort of truculence and sentimentality. <laughs> <laughs> Heady old mix that. 
people would be like, if someone came up to you and went, you're really sentimental, you'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, no, I'm not. Or, you know, like, you can't tell us what we are. Like, we'll, yeah. we'll resist it. But actually, you're like, oh, do you remember what the sea smells like when you when you go home? And you're like, yes, I do. Oh. Um, or, or, you know, now the stupid thing that I do is Sunderland comes on telly and I'm like, oh my God, like that. And it'll be literally, it's my job to be on. It's my job. There'll be someone I know presenting it. Like, like it's stupid. But like the other night I did it, we were watching um, Digging for Britain with uh, brilliant Professor Alice Roberts where she goes around oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. archaeology all around the country. So great. All the family love it. And uh, and the map came up and it said Sunderland on it. And I was like, oh, like that. And literally, my husband and my youngest son thought there'd been an accident. They were like, oh my God, what happened? I'm like, Sunderland, Sunderland's on the telly. And they're like, what's your job? You're on the telly like, most And I never, I don't get excited if I see someone, if I, you know, if I see, I'm like, oh, Angela, she, does, she, she looks lovely. Look at that. Oh, she's done her makeup lovely. I love that jacket. I wonder where that's from. Like always. Yeah. But that's different to like, if it's where I'm from <gasps> is on telly. Like, mm. oh my God, it's the best. It's the best. And what do you think that sentimentality comes from then for people from the from the northeast, like I feel like I relate to that as an Irish. But we're person. Celtic, aren't we? So yeah. we're all the culture across mm. that region and, and Scotland. You know, there's there's a lot of commonality because yeah. it's a kind of Celtic culture thing. Mm-hmm. The humour's kind of keyed into that as well. Do you know what I mean? I think yeah. I think like uh, Scottish Twitter, dark kind of humour. Scottish Twitter and Irish Twitter. Like I will follow any account that is just curating like ways that people's fashion choices have been slated in their region (laughs) like that's my favorite thing and the people that do it best 100% Scottish Twitter Irish Twitter and Northern Twitter yeah and there was a there was a brilliant Irish one the other day where it was just a list of them and there was a girl who'd gone to college in a silver uh, jacket which she thought was really cool And she'd kind of come into a lecture a little bit late. And the, the lecturer just really, without looking up from the desk, just went, uh, spaceship broke down again, did it? <laughs> <laughs> and she could never wear it again. But it is that kind of sense of, you know, go off and fly, but when you come back, you're the same as the rest you. of us. We yeah. know you. We, exactly. we no, know your kind. Don't come home to Sunderland and try and wear a berry. Don't. Yeah. That was <laughs> Done because people are gonna people are gonna talk to you in French all day. Yeah, and it'll be yeah. your own fault. Yeah, you got any garlic in your pocket there, Lauren? That's the vibe. I mean, like it will literally go on indefinitely. Yeah, Chris O'Dowd. I actually just saw on Twitter earlier on, uh, like it was an old clip of him on Graham Norton and uh, Niall Horan was on the same night, and he was like, you know, in Ireland, you could, you just go back home and. They kind of, they want to make sure that you're still grounded, right? But they have ideas about the fact that you've, you're a bit fancy because you're in LA now. <laughs> and he said, you know, I could go out for a fry, like an Irish fry and say, um, can I get a glass of orange juice? Oh, he's <laughs> having a glass of orange juice now. That's very LA, isn't it? <laughs> 100%. Yeah. <laughs> so I do love that. It's good. It keeps you grounded, I think. It's my. Well, also, there's an affection to it, right? Because totally. it's kind of like uh, putting your arm around someone and giving them a bit of a nookie. Like, you don't do that to <laughs> yeah. people that you actually dislike. You only do it to people that you love. And that's essentially what that is. That is so true. It's like a gentle headlock. <laughs> <laughs> 
finally, before I let you go, your hashtag blessed moment. There's been a few times when I've had the nod from someone that I've, because I never expected it. Yeah. People I uh, meet through work, interview people, um, you know, you never, do you expect them to remember you if you've met no. them like once or twice? Ever. Yeah. I would never imagine that yeah. that they would. And so sometimes when they do, you're kind of a bit like, oh. But then there's also like a really awkward, a couple of times it's happened when I've been in a lift with someone and I'm mm. thinking, well, I only interviewed him once. He's not going to, he's not going to remember me. And he's been like, anyway, nice to see you and got out. And I'm like, oh my God. And you're like, I'm so Look rude. Like ignored you. <laughs> But I'm not going to choose any of the kind of hashtag blessed, uh, that kind of work stuff. Okay. For me, for me, my my favorite moment is where is now linear viewing, right? Mm. So you know how we, we've all enjoyed the pleasures of like everyone has their own screen and is doing something separate while also being in the same room. Yeah. I love the moments when everybody in my family, ideally uh, three generations, are, are watching the same thing together. Mm. Like I love that I'm so grateful for it like Strictly probably is a good example yeah. my family love your shows uh Made Perfect TV we will yeah. jump on those those kind of moments where you're like oh my god Aunt Deck thank you for existing thank mm. you for bringing my family together or everybody's watching Harry Potter and is like really into it that I think is just such a uh quiet particular joy that I love it and I could if I could bottle the feeling of that and and then sip it on bad days I I would I would keep it in my handbag always I love that thank you it's been a pleasure you're an absolute smasher Thank you so much to Lauren. You can wake up to her every morning from 7.30 to 10.30 on BBC Radio 6 Music and listen to Desert Island Discs on BBC Radio 4. And if you like this chat, you're in for a treat because we have some other fabulous female broadcasters in the mix this series. So get subscribing and do not miss out. Oh, and watch out for my new book, Joyrider, how gratitude can help you get the life you really want. It's got a cracking cover, guys. Cracking. Lovely for your bookshelf. I'd like, ideally, for you to read it as well. But, you know, that's up to you. I can't hold you over a barrel. You can pre-order it now. Just head down below there to the show notes. Or in my weekly newsletter, you'll get a little nudge and a wink if you sign up to that. If you wouldn't mind, leave us a little review. Five star only, please. And if you share the review on Instagram every week, I am going to pick one winner and send you a signed copy of my new book and I will sign it personally for you and once it's out in May I will send it to your home I'll even spritz a bit of perfume on it tell your ma your dad your dog everyone you know really and if this has sparked any thoughts or ideas about what you are thankful for do share just use the hashtag thanks a million trio and tag me at Angela Scanlon via Instagram and Twitter Thanks a Million is produced by Louise Mason at Rethink Audio. Thank you so much for listening. See you next week. Listener.